George Herbert Walker Bush passed away last night. Michael Cohen's lawyers don't think he should go to prison. The stocks closed up nicely yesterday. And Vladimir Putin likes giving high fives. It's the Jay Dorty Podcast, episode number 49. And now, broadcasting live from downtown Chicago, here's your host, Jay Doherty. Hello, everyone. It's the Jay Doherty Podcast, episode number 49, and it is Saturday, December 1st, the beginning of December. We're broadcasting live right now at 2.20 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, and this is a part of the Jay Doherty Podcast, of course, but we are broadcasting live on j-doherty.com. It is certainly a uh, kind of a sad day. Uh, evidently, Mr. George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush, excuse me, passed away last night, and um, this today is really the day um, that everyone is hearing about the news um, uh, because the death, uh, the family, the Bush family, released the fact that he passed away uh, last night, uh, very late at night, I believe. So. Today is the big day um, uh, that everyone is hearing about the sad news. Talk about uh, his legacy as a president and as a person. Talk about how Michael Cohen's lawyers are asking the judge, asking the jury, the people who make the decisions, for no prison time for their client. That was in a memo. Talk about uh, maybe if we get to it, the G20 dinner uh, with uh, Xi Jinping and Donald Trump. And how, and we'll start with kind of, I, I always start with kind of a light, funny thing. Today's going to be how Putin likes to high-five people, uh, well, uh, certain people at least. And then, uh, yeah, that's that. We'll also take a look at the stocks, and we'll take a look at how President Donald Trump responded to George Herbert Walker Bush's uh, passing. It's all coming up on episode 49 of the Jay Doherty Podcast. January 20th, 1993, that was when Bill Clinton entered, or that was when George George Herbert Walker Bush wrote a letter to the then-president, Bill Clinton. He was talking about the wonder and respect that Mr. Clinton had, I mean, that Mr. Bush had for Mr. Clinton, and how that impacted politics at that time, and that's probably one of the most relevant things that Mr. Bush brought to the table as president, even if you disagreed with him politically, he kind of always said that politics does not have to be mean, 
And it seems that a lot of things have turned that way in the modern age with the evolution of technology and technological ideas, but also just humans have kind of turned to everything being a disagreement being an attack on their personal personal identity. And that was not how politics was, and that certainly was not how George Bush was. And that's whether you disagree with him politically is irrelevant to that fact. So here, I'm going to read the, the letter that he wrote to Bill Clinton right when he came, right after he was elected and um, Mr. Bush lost the election, uh, the re-election, I suppose, uh, would be the better way of phrasing it. This is what he said. When I walked into this office just now, I felt the same sense of wonder and respect that I felt four years ago. I know you feel that too. I wish you great happiness here. I never felt the loneliness some presidents have described. There will be very tough times, made even more difficult by criticism you may not think is fair. I'm not a very good one to give advice, but just don't let the critics discourage you or put you off course. You will be our president when you read this note. I wish you well. I wish your family well. Your success is now our country's success. I am rooting hard for you. That was on January 20th, 1993. He wrote that letter, and I don't think that, while I like Barack Obama, and I like, I mean, I agree with a lot of the way, the, the, the way that uh, his philosophy of government, I, I don't think he left that for Donald Trump, and I doubt, I mean, I am 100% sure Donald Trump will not leave that, uh, first of all, if he loses, but even if he doesn't lose and he gets reelected for another term, uh, I don't think he would leave that nice and that sincere of a note to his uh, predecessor, or to, yeah, I mean, or his, um, excuse me, his successor. I don't think he would do that. And that just shows the political climate at the time, how bad it's gotten, how everything is such a personal attack on everyone's identity. I think one of the best things to remember Mr. Bush from is when he said that politics does not have to be mean in a concession speech. President Clinton beat me like a drum back in 1992. <laughs> and then we became friends. And some of his friends look at him and they say, have you lost it with this crazy guy? And some of mine look at it and they say, it's just the same thing. What are you doing with Clinton? And just because you run against someone does not mean you have to be enemies. Politics does not have to be mean and ugly. This. This is a speech in 2009 that Mr. Bush gave, a uh, very popular one. It's my privilege to introduce my colleague and friend, and I mean that, the 42nd President of the United States, President Bill Clinton. And that just shows the immense change in political climate. And it also shows the friendship that Mr. Clinton and Mr. Bush developed over the years, even after being political rivals with major philosophical differences. In fact, that's one of the most interesting things, and we'll get to this in a second because I don't want to go on a tangent. I want to continue talking about Mr. Bush, uh, President Bush. He, you know, Donald Trump, the, the philosophy of Donald Trump is harshly conservative, and that is what the voters wanted. But 
he the way he conducts himself morally and ethically is just wrong. It's just it, there's nothing more really to say about it. It's just not. First of all, it's a waste of time. It's inappropriate and it's wrong. So I think he should stop wasting his time and govern the country the way that the voters wanted him to govern the country. And that seems to actually philosophically be what he is doing. I don't agree with anything or with most of the stuff that he is doing, but he is doing partially, partially like a very small amount of what he said and what conservative voters want at large. So, I want to continue on George Bush. We'll talk about that, my opinion on that in a second, but I was reading some stuff and doing some research, and that thought kind of came into my mind uh, when I was, you know, thinking about that and uh, talking about, you know, some of that type of stuff. But let's talk about some details about Mr. Uh, George H.W. Bush um, and the, where he will be, he will be buried, where... Um, Everything will happen in terms of the uh, ceremonies and everything. So he will uh, lay in the uh, I- at the U.S. Capitol. That is where he will be buried. The public will be able to pay respects to um, President Bush. Uh, I-, I believe um, from 5:30 p.m. on. It says Monday to 7:30 a.m. And that'll be at Wednesday in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. And that is actually um, Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, is what uh, Donald Trump declared as formal, as the formal grievance day, the grieve, the, 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 the National Day of Grievance and grieving for Mr. Bush. Uh, and uh, they have confirmed their attendance, uh, President Trump and Melania Trump. They've also confirmed that they will attend uh, President Bush's funeral at the National Cathedral. Uh, so that is what they've said about Mr. Uh, Bush's death. Now let's see the official announcement that came out just this morning, a statement from President Trump and First Lady Melania on the passing of former President George H.W. Bush. And I'm quoting this now. He says, "Melania and I will join. Uh, Melania and I join with a grieving nation to mourn the loss of former President George H. W. Bush, who passed away last night. Through his essential authenticity, dar- uh, disarming wit, and unwavering commitment to faith, family, and country, President Bush inspired generations of his fellow Americans to public service. To be, in his words, a thousand points of light, illuminating the greatness, hope, and opportunity of America to the world." President Bush always found a way to set the bar higher. As a young man, he uh, he captained the Yale baseball team and then went to uh, on to serve the as the youngest aviator in the United States Navy during the Second World War. Later, later in life, he rose to a pinnacle of American politics as a congressman from Texas, envoy to China, director of Central Intelligence, vice president, congressman from Texas, and uh, excuse me, vice president of eight years to uh, President Ronald Reagan, and finally. Of course, the President of the United States. With sound judgment, common sense, and an unflappable uh, leadership, President Bush guided our nation and the world to a peaceful, victorious conclusion of the Cold War. As President, he set the stage for decades of prosperity that have followed, and through all of the accomplished, he remained humble, following the quiet call to service that gave him a clear sense of direction. Along with his full life of service to country, we will remember President Bush for his devotion to family, especially uh, the love of his wife, Barbara. His example is on 
and will continue to stir future Americans to pursue, to pursue a greater cause. Our hearts with his loss, and we, with the American people, send our prayers to the entire Bush family as we honor the life of lega- life and legacy of 41. So that is the official statement that came out of the White House this morning. Uh, and by the way, if you didn't know, um, Barbara Bush died about uh, seven months ago, I believe, uh, is the time. And uh, so... Just seven months later, uh, her husband died, and um, he will be uh, buried, I believe, at the Capitol building, uh, is what the family is saying right now. So, that is basically all um, that is known at the moment, and that we can, um, that I'm going to talk about on this episode um, with uh, President Bush. He was 94 years old when he died. If there are any new developments or anything, any more details that will be, that are released from the family, uh, I will certainly be able to update anyone. Uh, I don't believe anything will come out within the next uh, minutes that we have in the podcast, but uh, in, in future episodes I will be sure to update everyone. But uh, that's all I'm going to talk about for right now on uh, the death of George H.W. Bush. Let's move on to the next topic about Michael Cohen on the episode of the J. Doherty Podcast, episode number 49. So that is the new uh, sound effect that you will hear when I uh, transition over to next stories. I hope you like it. I made it a couple minutes ago. Well, no, yeah, a couple minutes ago. But let's talk about Michael Cohen. So the lawyers of Michael Cohen, who was President Trump's former attorney, if you didn't know, are asking for no prison time for their client in a memo having to do with official sentencing. So he asked a U.S. judge for no prison time, uh, citing as he reveals a new court filing uh, that there's more details about when Donald Trump, as a candidate, plans uh, about Trump Tower, for Trump Tower in Moscow, the capital of Russia. So that, that's really the new thing. That's, that's the thing that they're investigating or that they're talking about, that they're looking at in court for Michael Cohen. He's asking for no prison time whatsoever. And let's take a look at a part of a speech that Trump had in 2016 when he was a candidate. Uh, let's take a look at this. We're going to have a great relationship with Putin and Russia. So that is what happened. That is what he said. And that was kind of the beginning, at least, from, from what I saw. That was the beginning of the big kind of talk of Trump Putin, Michael Cohen, all of the all of the things that were happening at least uh, within you know within the Russia the beginning of the Russia investigation again this was in 2016 before he even he even began office and um, or began serving his role in office uh, and you know he I don't I mean Michael Cohen even in the beginning when he if you remember that weird period of time where Trump would constantly have meetings with uh, people, uh, including, I believe he was, Kanye West was there for his first meeting, not not the one in the Oval Office where, um, you know, he dropped the F-bomb and everything, but the one at Trump Tower where it wasn't uh, publicized or anything, um, that one, that was at Trump Tower, uh, and Michael Cohen uh, frequently went there to meet with him. And, um, yeah, so that that's what's happening in terms of Michael Cohen. Now, let's talk about the, the pleads um, and what's happening with that. So, 
he pleaded guilty on Thursday, of course, as we covered on the Thursday episode. He is about to plead guilty when I recorded it, but he did officially plead guilty on Thursday when he lied to Congress, which was, uh, of course, something that was speculated and kind of known, but it was officially made clear on Thursday that he was lying to Congress about the plans to develop uh, the Trump Tower in Moscow, even though that was certainly something that they were planning to do, but he lied to Congress blatantly. Then when he told um, uh, lawmakers that they had ended that plan, or that they had ended in January 2016, and the extent uh, of his conversations to the president, he lied about that, and he did not provide a lot of detail in the court, uh, even though I believe the detail was asked for. Cohen then believed that Trump would pardon him, but then his belief and the belief of the president changed. That's another thing that I would certainly keep an eye on as we continue to go um, through this. But on to the details in the logistics of his guiltiness. He pleaded to eight criminal charges brought on by, of course, the United States Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, and that was back in August. Some of the uh, large crimes that he committed included tax fraud, false statements to uh, uh, bank, there were tons of campaign vi- uh, finance violations um, that had hush money payments, uh, of course, as we ta- as I've covered before, um, basically when Trump was going through that tit-for-tat phase where he would constantly use that phrase, and that that was kind of the whole hush money type thing with um, Trump and everything, um, and everything like that, but I mean, basically what's happening now, if we really want to get to the specifics, and this is not what's basically just because the news or <laughs> the news organizations want views they don't say any of this but basically at the bottom line Cohen faces with his plea deal with the United States Attorney's office he faces up to 62 months in prison 62 months that is a lot of time and that is basically brought down to the I mean it's 46 to 62 officially but that's you know a long time, over five years in prison, but it used to be life in prison, uh, I believe, with along with Paul Manafort. Now, Paul Manafort's a whole different story that I'm not even going to talk about right now, but he is in serious trouble uh, and continues to be in big trouble, and uh, yeah, so th- that's that, but uh, let's talk about some other stuff. Let's talk about um, Mr. Cohen's cooperation agreement with Robert Mueller's office. So he actually said in this agreement, it says that Cohen will not be prosecuting for quote unquote obstructing um, or conspiring to obstruct, uh, commit perjury. And this is again a quote before congressional or grand jury investigations. That was one of the most um, pertinent things within the uh, plea deal agreement, or the, the, I'm sorry, not the plea deal agreement, the agreement that Mr. Cohen had uh, for the cooperation uh, that happened. So, technically, by this agreement, he was not, he, he didn't have to cite anything having to do with the uh, topics I discussed, but he did, uh, and he lied. So, <laughs> so yeah, that, that's what happened, basically, there. Now, if we talk about the, um, the raid, of course, so I, I don't know if you remember that there was a raid on Mr. Cohen's, um, uh, house, his office, his hotel room, I mean, pretty much all of his, um, you know, properties that he was currently living in, um, and there was a whole sentencing submission that kind of got super, um, complicated with 
unrelated matter, but that that's basically what's happening right now. Um, with Cohen and the way, th- I mean, he. The bottom line is he faces forty six to sixty two months in prison, but his lawyers don't want him to go to prison, and that's basically it. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean that that's basically what's happening. Uh, with that, there's not really much to say, but in terms of looking to the future, um, next week. Uh, this is today's Saturday, so on Monday uh, to Friday, anytime between those days, December 3rd to December 7th, they'll file their response to the submission next week, which is um, you know something to look out for and something that will be certainly covered largely in the news, something that um, we'll have to take a look at, uh, and something that is very relevant in, to basically the closing, perhaps the potential closing of the Mueller investigation and the um, something that's you know of course a very high crime lying to Congress in front of uh, them and in front and knowingly lying to Congress is something that certainly is not taken lightly. So we'll take a look uh, at that and follow that story more. But uh, for the moment, that's basically all that we know about it. The real um, development in the story is that Michael Cohen officially pleaded guilty, and now that he did plead guilty to lying in front of Congress about Trump's plan to build a Moscow Trump Tower, he is facing 46 to 62 months in prison. That is the bottom line. That's all there is for that story. Let's move on to this funny Putin high five with, um, uh, well, we'll see what happens in, uh, with this high five and who it was actually with and why it happened and all that stuff. And perhaps the charm within the high five and how the specificity and exclusion of the high five was especially relevant. It's the Jade Doherty Podcast, episode number 48. So, a video of Vladimir Putin, and we'll have this embedded on uh, the website, jdoherty.com surfaced at the G20 summit, which of course is uh, happening in Buenos Aires. I tweeted live about when Vladimir Putin's plane was landing and when the possible remarks of Mr. Putin and Mr. Trump were going to happen in a joint committee meeting, but a joint meeting, I apologize. Uh, But this is what happened. So Vladimir Putin and Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman saw, they saw each other from across the room, they were flashing huge smiles at each other, they were laughing, they were saying hi from across the room, they finally saw each other, and, oh, sorry about that, that was, uh, accidental push of a play button, and he saw the guy, he walked up, Vladimir Putin, him, huge smiles on both of their faces, they high-fived each other, then they did, like, a bro- kind of shake-type thing, you know, oh, sorry, I don't know what's happening with this, um, there we go, I fixed that, um, but he, they did like a big uh, high five type greeting thing that we kind of haven't seen in a while. At least I don't even think we, we. Well, first of all, we haven't seen Vladimir Putin be so happy and be so smiley, especially within someone that we don't really know that they have totally great relationships with. I mean, supposedly they do, and we'll we'll take a look at this video and we'll have it embedded, but what's very interesting is that literally what appears to be maybe 10 or 15 feet away, we see Donald Trump with his big red tie and American pin flag walking right behind them. So you have Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump, and a crown prince of Saudi, uh, the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, they are both, you know, shaking each other's hands. So there's definitely big world leaders that are literally right within the uh, close vicinity of each other. So that's certainly interesting. Um, and it's it's kind of 
it's it's pretty interesting the way that this whole thing conspired and the way that it went down. I mean, it's certainly being analyzed, of course, on social media. People have been tweeting out tons of tons of jokes about uh, what's happening. Um, and, I mean, there was a guy, Aaron Blake, who works for the Washington Post, he retweeted it, uh, or he posted it on social media, I'm not sure exactly which network, but he said uh, that you'd be happy, uh, too, if you just got away with murder, <laughs> so that was a funny caption that he uh, put up on social media, and uh, there's been tons of other jokes about, you know, their two existences and how they treat the, how they treated each other over a relatively long period of time. They were both very happy to see each other, which I suppose is good, but it's also a little bit strange. So that's what's happening uh, right now within the international relationships of existence within the Putin, Salman, and Trump administration of the world. Let's take a look at the stocks, how they closed up yesterday. They closed up uh, pretty well, at least within the United States. Uh, the NASDAQ was up 0.79% at 25,538.46, up 199.62 points. The NASDAQ up 0.79% at 7,330.54 points, up 57.45 points. The S&P 500 up 0.82% at 2,760.17, up 22.41 Apple down 0.53% at $178.16, something that we've seen very steady recently, although it has been bouncing up, up and down, so I suppose that makes it steady. <laughs> so let's take a look at the key stats, something we always uh, take a look at here. It's doing a uh, majority down. There's five that we're going to take a look at. Three of them are down, two of them are up. Ten-year yield at 3.01%, down 0.02. The oil is right now $50.72, down 0.41. The yen is at 113.50, up 0.02. The euro is currently priced at one cent less than it was yesterday at $1.13. Uh, or, sorry, one cent less than when we checked on it last uh, on the podcast at down 0.68%. Gold is at 12.27 and 80 again remaining relatively consistent and that's up 0.15%. The commodities oil is at $50.72 down 0.41%. Gas is at 4.64 up 0.61. 12.27 and 80 at gold uh, 0.15%. Silver is at $14.25 up 0.23%. Corn is at $376.75 down 0.26 percent and if we take a look at bitcoin and the blockchain right now bitcoin is currently priced um at excuse me one second here as i mm, this thing loads it's actually went up i believe from yesterday uh yeah i went up uh, i believe from yesterday it is now priced right now one bitcoin is priced at 4149 and 1 cent dollars <laughs> if we want to be really specific but it's $4,149 right now at the moment tons of transactions happening right now or you can take a look at those bitcoins uh, and how they tick at bitcointicker.co if you want to take a look at that and uh, the developments with them let's take a look at the world markets the Japan and Hong Kong markets are doing t very well today London and Germany though both down London down a little bit more but not anything to write home about something nothing super large but uh, Japan 
Japan is at 22,351.06, up 88.81, up 0.4%. Of course, the Hang Seng market in Hong Kong is up uh, 0.21% at 26,506.71, up 55.84. London, the FTSE 100 market down 0.83% at 6,980.24, down 58.22 points. The Germany DAX market is down 0.36% at 11,527.24 points, down 40 0.84 points. That's uh, everything that's happening right now. Some of the top money stories, uh, talking about some infrastructure in the United States. Starbucks is doing super, super, super uh, well right now, especially with their new opening of the largest store in the world, or at least in the country, down here in my hometown of Chicago. And uh, Microsoft might be a better stock to invest in than Apple, even though, in my opinion, Apple's products are better. That's something that's being talked about. The Deutsche Bank raids and the G20 summit are something that are being uh, heavily talked about recently, and how that's affecting the stock market, and then Jay Powell, he's the guy that everyone's been talking about, uh, about, uh, existence and the, um, the, the comments that he made, as we talked about on the last episode of the Jay Doherty podcast, that's all the news we have for money at the moment, uh, that I see at, uh, right now, but, um, Something we will certainly keep an eye on, uh, that I will keep an eye on in the future, uh, but we're about to hit, we just passed the 29-minute mark, as I'm seeing right here on the podcast, so we should probably wrap up the, uh, podcast, uh, right now, but, uh, it was certainly a good episode, I hope everyone enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, uh, leave a rating, if you're listening to this on iTunes, or, uh, you know, Anchor FM, or any podcast, uh, excuse me, uh, podcast directory, please make sure to leave a review. It really does help me out. Um, or just go on the website, subscribe, sign up for our newsletter. You know, this is actually something that I've been meaning to talk about. Um, I should talk, I should have talked about it in the beginning, but the best way, even if you don't listen to the podcast and you want to just get some news, sign up for my newsletter. It's, uh, about every week, unless there's some, some super big news, but it's every single week you get an update about all the news that I covered on the J Doherty podcast right in your inbox and you can unsubscribe anytime, obviously, and it's totally 100% free. So, certainly a good resource to have, in my opinion, and um, it comes out every Monday morning at 4 a.m., so if you want to uh, take a look at that, that's 4 a.m. Central Standard Time, so 5 a.m. if you're on the East Coast, and if you're in California for some reason, it'll be 2 a.m. where you can get the latest news that happened uh, in the week before. We're ending the podcast at 3.54 Central Standard Time on Saturday, December 1st, 2018. I'm sorry, did I say 3.54? I meant 2.54. I don't know what I said. But it's 2.54 right now. Uh, uh, Central Standard Time. Chicago, Illinois. Episode number 49 of the Jade Doherty Podcast. Thanks for listening. I will be back tomorrow to talk about the latest news in politics, money, and more. It's the Jade Doherty Podcast. Yeah, yeah,